When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Online. On DAB Plus. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. And it's an historic day, ladies and gentlemen, of course, because it is the Queen's speech. Uh, This time, however, without the Queen. 59 years it has been since the Queen did not go to the State Opening Parliament and make the Queen's speech. Today, it will be Prince Charles in her stead. Uh, We're told that she's fine, uh, but that she has mobility issues. And it is, as Julie Hartley Brewer said, uh, quite a lot of walking going on uh, if you get out of a car and have to go through uh, the Palace of Westminster to find your way uh, into the chambers, into the House of Lords, where she makes that speech. And, of course, uh, the Queen is 96 years of age. But it is something that we need to think about because it would be totally and utterly wrong uh, to speculate as to when Prince Charles should take over, if at all, at this particular juncture, because it is the Queen's Platinum Jubilee year. And for a start, I think this country needs to think long and hard and needs to prepare in a very big way for the transition, because to not have the Queen as the head of state, in whichever way, shape or form it turns out, will be quite traumatic for an awful lot of people, I think. But we'll talk about that uh, with Rupert Bell. Uh, Peter Cardwell is down on College Green with Rupert as well. Uh, he'll be bringing us all the news uh, that as it comes out. And we'll bring you the speech live at 11.30 right here uh, on Talk TV. Rod Little kicks us off this morning as well. Um, he's got plenty to say about Beergate and all sorts of other gates. He's also got plenty to say about the SDP, who had a pretty uh, historic victory uh, in the elections last Thursday that not many people have actually spoken about. Uh, we'll also be talking about microaggressions inside the NHS, because apparently they've given up treating people. All they want to do now is make sure that the people who do do the actual treatment, if and when you can get into a hospital or indeed into a doctor's surgery, don't get upset. For heaven's sake, get your priorities right, guys, will you? 0344 499 1000 is the number. Laura Dodsworth, of course, is here, as ever, with her words of wisdom. She'll have plenty to say about Sir Keir Starmer as well. 0344 499 1000. If you're trying to get away on holiday, bad luck because the airports are rammed once more. Manchester and Birmingham yesterday uh, had queues snaking out into the car park because there's not enough people to work due to COVID. COVID? Why are people still off because of COVID, for heaven's sake? 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. Let's get on with it. Rod Little is here, Sunday Times columnist, Spectator columnist, Sun columnist, of course, as well. Rod, a very good morning to you. 
Good morning to you, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, very well indeed. It feels like quite an historic day, and I know people say that a lot when it's not that historic, but I mean, I don't think we're going to see the Queen making another Queen's speech, really, are we? No, it's looking increasingly that we're not going to see her in public very often at all. Mm. Uh, she's 96. I mean, I don't know what more we can say about that, to be honest. Uh, obviously, it fills me with a kind of blind panic and terror that Prince Charles uh, is likely to be taking over very soon, <laughs> uh, as it should with all sentient human beings. Um, but when you compare Charles to the younger royals, <laughs> it's better the better the devil you know, I suppose, isn't it? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I did wonder about that, but actually, I think William um, and William Kate doing all right. are, yeah. are doing okay. Actually, I mean, they yeah, seem to be right. sort of holding up the uh, the plan. I mean, Prince Charles only the other week was um, sort of admiring the idea of putting masks on cows to stop them from emitting <coughs> gas, which yeah. was damaging the environment. I'm not sure you want a guy like that in charge of the country, do you? No, nor someone who supports homeopathy, which is one of the most stupid ideas in the history of mankind. Uh, and yet he goes along with all of it. I mean, that's just beyond belief. Uh, but rather Prince Charles, of course, than, uh, than Prince Harry. And you certainly Prince would want William, him. Well, indeed. If Prince William would shut up about mental health for five minutes, yeah, I, 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 could, I could be down with that. Yeah. Uh, he, he's got a certain dignity. And his um, missus has got a certain dignity, uh, which is obviously lacking from the uh, from that ginger runt and his missus, um, <laughs> if I if I can put it like that. Yes, I think you can. Uh, yeah, um, but do you know, I, when you, when you put together all the stuff that happened in the Caribbean, the kind of mindset we have in this country at the moment, uh, and the end of the Queen after you know seventy five years. Uh, of devoted service, it's hard to see that the monarchy will continue in the same way it has done. It is very difficult to see that anyone will put up with it, whether it be the British people or the uh, Jamaican people. You know, it, it's it's something which you would guess is winnowing away and that this is a pretty crucial moment for us as a country. I think it is, because I think we won't know quite what we had until it's gone, if you like. I, mean, I, don't, yeah. I don't mean the monarchy so much as I mean the the, the Queen herself, you know. Oh, well, I, 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 certainly with the Queen, I, I think she's been an extraordinary woman and an extraordinary, extraordinary ruler. Uh, but it's also, you know, the monarchy, you're right. We don't know what we've got till it's gone. Uh, we will look again once, you know, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is the president of Great Britain. Uh, <laughs> Come and help us. Well, you can see it, can't you? You, you can see it. Uh, you know. Well, is the thing. I mean, we, we, we cringed as ever watching um, all of those lovies at the BAFTAs this week, you know. So yeah. it's Channel 4 for the people. You know, Channel 4, to me, is the biggest con job that anybody's ever played on the British public. They make out that they're this kind of holier-than-thou, serious broadcaster. Practically every show they make is about sex in one way or another. Practically yeah. most of their, their show programming on a daily basis is reruns of, of things like A Place in the Sun and The Simpsons. You know, I went through their actual daily, you know, catalogue of shows and they hardly make anything which would be considered to be in the public interest, you know, uh, and documentary. They do some of it, but not very much. Well, I, I, think it's, I think in a sense it's worse than that because I think they've got it completely wrong. Um, and it, it, it all dates back to the time at which Channel 4 was invented. Mm. It was invented precisely to be an alternative voice. Now, you could argue quite well uh, and accurately, I think, that at the time that Channel 4 was set up, an alternative voice would be from the liberal left. 
it would be from uh, it would be it would be a uh, a modernist leftish take on British society, which by and large ITV and the BBC weren't doing that yeah. much. But now, if you're providing an alternative take, it would be talk TV. Yes, you know, yeah, it would be something from the populist, socially conservative right. Yeah, well, we, uh, we, well, we are now definitely a minority in terms of yeah. the uh, you know the the media elites of this that's world. Right. You know, they're all left wing. Well, the, the culture has changed over the last 40 years. Um, yeah, you know, you, you look back to the 80s, uh, to the 70s rather, and most of our institutions were kind of conservative, whether it be the BBC or the judiciary uh, or uh, uh, the Church of England. Uh, the, these things were all kind of conservative. And that's what Channel 4 was set up to, to sign, kind of rail against. But today, if it had, a, if it had any integrity... It would be railing against the the, the uh, leftist culture, which which now has hegemony uh, mm. within the media. Yeah, absolutely right, and yet continually fails really um, at the ballot box because yeah. people don't like it. People don't, don't want people it. Don't like people, people, particularly don't. in parts of the country where you live, Rod. Um, yeah. They're far more interested in traditional Britain. They're far more interested uh, in, um, you know, how they're going to put food on the table than they are yeah. on how to address somebody in a shop. Or indeed, yeah, they, in a hospital. They, they, I could reveal to you exclusively, actually, from here up in County Durham, that everyone I speak to knows what a woman is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Apart from visiting members of the Labour Party when they come Apart up for a bit of, of for, for two hundred quid's worth of curry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Intersectional booners. Yes, absolutely yeah. right. I mean, that's the bizarre thing, you know, that we now live in a world where. The two biggest political stories are Partygate and Beergate. You wrote at the weekend about all the different gates, and some of them were hilarious. Um, how, how did we get here exactly? Because of, uh, largely because of Keir Starmer's piety. Um, you know, he went so hard on Partygate. Um, and actually, you know, originally he had a point. It seems to me there's no doubt that. That, that, that Boris and indeed many of his ministers and his civil servants continually, repeatedly flouted the lockdown mm. regulations which they brought in. And that annoyed an awful lot of people. But never has a petard been hoisted so high as <laughs> It's wonderful uh, that he was doing exactly the same thing. I, I mean, you're right. We are, we are uh, uh, looking at this stuff as if it was serious. And, and of course, to most people in the country, it isn't really serious that poor old Keir had a beer and a curry. But it is if he said he would resign if he'd been caught doing that. Yeah. Then, then, it, then it becomes important. The other thing I think it makes us all do, uh, and I was as craven and sheep-like as the rest of us back in the first lockdown. And when I look at it, when I look at that first lockdown, I think, Christ, did, did we really do that? Yeah. Did I, did I really have to queue outside my local farm shop and the people selling the food were wearing plastic bags on their feet in case they picked up the COVID virus yeah. from the... Did, was that really what we were told to do? And I think an awful lot of the annoyance with uh, with Partygate and indeed with Beergate is people thinking, we were mugs. <laughs> we didn't need to do that. No. You know, we were mugs and they knew all along that we were mugs, mm. you know? But I have to say that once that first period passed, 
many of us, and certainly those of us here uh, at Talk, uh, were, were questioning all of it and saying, what the hell yeah. are you doing this for? You know, the idea that yeah. you had to have uh, no more than six people, so you could have yeah. ten tables of six, but you couldn't have six tables of ten. In no, a room. No, and you go, well, what's the difference exactly? Well, and, and there were so many inconsistencies about, you know, whether you could go to the pub but not go to the gym. I right. mean, it, it just became utterly, utterly ludicrous. And you gave them some credit because here was something which we haven't faced before, which we didn't really know the danger of. Um, and we were we were kind of chivied along by the by the by the former commies in Sage yeah. uh, into ever more restrictive behaviour. Uh, because there is nothing commies like more than restricted. No, that's right. They've all gone very quiet. Chris Whitty, the man who was on our TV screens practically every bleeding night, uh, has gone to ground. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you didn't see him anymore, do you? And and they're wrong. Uh, I mean, and proven to be wrong. They were proven to be wrong at Christmas when, you know, Boris actually got it right on uh, freeing us from the restrictions of COVID and taking no notice whatsoever of of Suzanne Che Guevara Michi and all the rest of them <laughs> on that on on, on that uh, advisory panel. Well, she's a she, she advises. I think her discipline is 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 more sociological. Oh, it is. She has no she has no actual what I would call genuine scientific or medical background. It's all about behavioural science. But stay with us for a moment, Rod. We're going to talk about the SDP coming up. We're going to talk about Rwanda uh, and much else besides. This is Talk TV. Your way from driveway to motorway. Talk radio, travel update. Um, 62 near Bradford, a problem travelling west away from Leeds. Just before you get towards 26 at Chain Bar, back of the queue you'll experience almost to the M1, certainly from Tingley. Now towards Swansea, the M4 has been closed for a time this morning. West still is 41 to 42 with congestion to Margam at 38, trying to recover an overturned lorry. A delay M25 towards the M11 from Brentwood. One lane is closed to clear a breakdown and spill. I'm Sarah Elliott. Here's football legend Jamie Redknapp for Skechers Archfit Footwear. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Archfit Footwear? Ah, I don't need arch support. Well, I thought the same, and these are still my favourite trainers. You see, Skechers Archfit are great for virtually everybody. Archfit was designed by experts giving you podiatrist certified arch support and all-day comfort. Plus, I don't wear them just for arch support. I love how they look too. Feel what you've been missing with Skechers Archfit. Find Skechers Archfit footwear for men and women everywhere. Talk radio. Arguments all round. A radio station. Not a panic station. Translate and decode the issues of the moment. Talk radio. On the app, on your smart speaker, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV with you all the way through until one o'clock. We'll bring you the Queen's speech live uh, as performed by Prince Charles uh, instead of the Queen because the Queen uh, is not able to do it due to mobility issues. Angela says this, William and Kate should take over from the Queen as they would be popular. Prince Charles will not be his crazy ideas and he doesn't seem to be able to keep to himself sort of sums up the future of this country. A mess. Uh, That is, uh, I'd have to say, quite true. Rod Little is here, uh, Sunday Times and Spectator columnist, of course. Rod, uh, uh, the country is in a bit of a mess, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, I mean, there's a number of problems, not least the fact that we have two uh, incompetent and rather complacent uh, major parties mm. uh, battling it out. And, and, and the alter- there aren't really many alternatives for people. You know, the, a lot of people I know, you know, will have voted Labour 
whilst holding their noses mm. uh, and voted Conservative whilst holding their noses, not really having a great deal of affection for either of those two parties, which don't represent their views. No. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a worry. And yeah, we, we are in trouble. We're in trouble financially as well. Uh, and uh, but we are out of the EU, which is which is which is something to cheer every day. Every day I wake up, you know, I, absolutely. I well, I see Monsieur Macron is offering us the chance to come in on some kind of outsider's uh, charter where there's a sort of uh, outer ring of the EU that we could rejoin. I mean, I'm not sure he's read the room on that one. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm a bit distressed by your tone on that issue, Mike. I think it's very kind of Emmanuel <laughs> to, to offer us a chance to be part of to be part of that. No, merci, I think is the answer. Merci, Emmanuel. <laughs> uh, he doesn't give up, does he? You well, know, I think he, I think not, he, he think he had a bit of a wobble when he thought he might have lost the election, but then, but now he's back to his full pomp. He's back to his full pomp. He's probably back out in his rowing boat trying to scoop up our fish, uh, which, which is what he spent most of his time doing. He's an incredibly bitter uh, and and rather grandiose human being. And he, you're right, he he hasn't remotely read the room. And I I, I suspect there are a lot of remainers, people who voted remain. Uh, who will have looked at Macron's offer and thought, "Oh Christ, no, please, not again." Yeah. Uh, because I think we're now we're now we're now out of the EU, and I think people now respect that. I mean, there are a few Lord Adonis, but then he's uh, crazier than a house rat, as the Americans. Yes. I mean, they ought to have um, a they ought to have a padded cell ready for him in the House of Lords, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, out. indeed, 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 and, and and a few people like that, you know, a few of the Lib Dems uh, and. Uh, uh, Alistair Campbell and all, all that lot, yeah. Uh, but but the majority of people, I think, know where we are and we, we can move on from that, and I think that's all right. Um, I don't think anyone will take any notice of Macron. If Macron didn't see what happened with the rollout of vaccines, you know, and couldn't accept, well, he couldn't accept, he couldn't accept that our vaccine worked when right. you know, he, he pretended it didn't. Right. Uh, so, in other words, people died for his hubris. Yes. An appalling man. That's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Um, talking about people who voted holding their noses, the SDP, which is your party, did all right yeah. uh, in Leeds, didn't they? We did astonishingly well. It's uh, it's uh, uh, Wayne Dixon, uh, our candidate in uh, Middleton uh, uh, and Belle Isle. I don't think Belle Isle actually is a beautiful island. I think, anyway, it's in the middle of Leeds. Um and he racked up 2,600 votes. And uh, it was a landslide victory over Labour, the first time Labour has ever lost a seat in Middleton, uh, and the first uh, gain for the SDP in, in the, since the late 1980s. And I, I, th- I think what it shows is that, because Wayne's been working that seat for some time, that if people know that an alternative can win, they'll vote for it. Mm. And I think you saw that with the votes in a number of constituencies for the Green Party as well, because they're also hard done by by our, by our uh, electoral system. Yeah. And, you know, well, when, when walking around the Leeds constituency, all, all the activists were saying, you know, they, they wanted a socially conservative uh, party, but which was, in other ways, rather like the Labour Party. Mm. So, you know, we're redistributive and we believe in investing in industry, but we're also for faith, flag and family. We believe in the family. We believe in uh, Great Britain's history as a proud nation. We don't, we 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 don't like chucking statues in the sea. You know, we we we're uh, and we believe in the traditional family. Mm. Um, and people like that certainly up here. Yeah. They may not like it in Putney, 
But I don't care what they do in public. That's Sodom and Gomorrah as far as I'm concerned. Well, it really is. And I mean, people were expressing some surprise that uh, the, 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 the Tories lost Wandsworth, Westminster and Barnet. I don't know why, because London is now no. um, certainly not a beautiful aisle, but certainly an aisle uh, where all the Ramonas hang out, where everybody seems to either work for a charity or the public sector. Um, yeah. And all yeah. the capitalists have sort of moved out to the shires, you know. So we've got this kind of relatively young electorate, um, a relatively mixed bag of people um, who think the Labour Party is the answer. And as yeah. I said, uh, uh, as I said on Friday, Sir Keir Starmer doesn't need a battle bus anymore because he can go to all of his places of victory on the tube. Well, indeed. And, and it's not. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's a public sector workers who now live in London. Alongside, it has to be said, an awfully high proportion of immigrants. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and in some London boroughs, uh, the immigrant population is is high, the non-white population is higher than the than the yeah. white population. Um, and and so, uh, of of course, they're still tending to vote for the Labour Party, despite the fact that the Labour Party treats all people who aren't white as if they were needy children and victims. <laughs> in, uh, you know, I, I, well, one day, one day the the uh, our ethnic communities will wake up uh, just as they are right now in America uh, and see that uh, they are not victims uh, and that they shouldn't be treated like needy children uh, by a, 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 an organisation which wants them kept down so that it mm. can harvest their votes. Yes, absolutely right. And an awful lot of um, of people, black black Americans voted for Donald Trump. And that's, that's right. one of his great strengths. And and I think in, in parts of Britain, that will also be the case for Boris Johnson. But Sadiq Khan has got this kind of lock uh, on all sorts of things in London. I see he's jaunted off to New York today, where he's for some reason yeah. gone to speak to the New Yorkers about how great London is. And he'll claim that he's making sure that they can all come and visit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean... Uh, you I, know, I, London I, is open. Well, great. Sadiq drives me up the up the wall as i'm sure he does for for a lot of people but probably not for those people who live in london who, who voted for the idiot but there we are uh i mean i think increasingly you see when i when i talk to muslim friends and and indeed to black friends but muslim friends in particular they are beginning to say well, hang on a minute why why are we voting en bloc for a party which has no conception of what a cervix is or a woman <laughs> and wishes to have this ludicrous sex education uh, about uh, transgender issues uh, shoved down the throats of kids in schools. Why are, we, why are we doing that? They have no time for the traditional family, the Labour Party, uh, and they have no time for traditional values. Uh, and I think increasingly um, that the, the Muslim people in particular are looking at Labour and thinking, no, no way is that party for us, simply because they tell us that they're standing up for us because we're a minority. There is nothing of, of, of substance in there, no. which actually does reflect the way we think. Exactly right. And despite his banging on about being full of integrity and all the rest of it, we still don't really know what Keir Starmer stands for. You know, he used to stand next to Jeremy Corbyn in his shadow cabinet. Uh, and he used yeah. to quite like that. and He didn't seem to have a problem then. He used to want to reverse the Brexit referendum. Uh, but now he's apparently happily accepted it. I mean, you know, Mr. Flip Flop is what I would say he is. Well, yes, and, and he looks more and more like a transitional leader. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think initially... He he's sort of the David Moyes figure. Yes, yes, yes <laughs> that's, that's very good. Or the Ian Holloway figure. Yes. Uh, I mean, you choose your, your failed manager. Uh, but but he, I, I think initially he didn't do a bad job. 
And he was quite resolute in kicking out the loonies mm. uh, from the front bench. He had to keep a few. Uh, but, but by and large, uh, Lammy's still there, for example. Yes. Uh, he, he, had to, he, he had to get, he, he got rid of quite a few, and he took quite a strong line. He draped himself in the flag, but he didn't do so very convincingly. No. Uh, he, 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 because, you know, yet again, he took the knee, uh, and uh, again, he went along with the Labour Party's ludicrous ideas as to what constitutes a woman. So, I mean... For those reasons, the North and especially the Northeast are not going to vote for him. I mean, no. they're just not. No, uh, no. and that's and that's gonna... and that's and that's all she wrote. I think, um, Rod. Great to speak to you again. Thank you very much indeed. We've got to run. Rod Little there. Uh, we're giving us his pearls of wisdom as always. Brilliant. Uh, we'll take calls, of course, from all of you. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number. This is Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Courses on the NHS Leadership Academy's website include a lecture by a campaigner who has said that being prejudiced is unavoidable for people born in Britain because it is a country that legalised oppression. What? Just get on with treating people. There's a 6.5 million backlog of patients who haven't got uh, the wherewithal or the ability to get treated for what is wrong with them. This is the National Health Service, which isn't working. Let's talk to Dr Christian Nemitz, Head of Political Economy at the IEA. Christian, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Good to be back. Thank you very much indeed. You might think that given the the state of the NHS, they'd be concentrating more on making sure more and more people were being treated rather than making sure that the people doing the treatment were not being somehow prejudiced. You would think so. In, in an ideal world, that's what they would do. But I'm afraid this is a continuation of a wider trend, which is the professionalization of wokery. Yes. Um, woke behaviors used to be something that people just did to show off a little, showing ah, I'm more progressive than, than you, I'm more enlightened than you. Um, but it's now become an industry, a place of a, a, a career that people can work in. Um, it's a continuation of creating more and more posts as diversity and inclusivity officers and so forth and implicit bias training courses. And microaggression is just the latest uh, addition to that. And a microaggression, if I'm not mistaken, can be something which is not said. Right. So it's not even just apparently asking somebody where they're from, which is apparently racist. Um, but you can do something else which is unsaid, which is a microaggression. Right. Oh, worse than that, it can be a compliment if you call someone who is not white articulate, for example. Uh, even though that is a compliment, um, that would be considered a microaggression because the reasoning behind that is that it sounds as if you were surprised that that person is articulate. Right. It sounds as if you were assuming that they have to be inarticulate and therefore by saying otherwise uh, you are committing an act of aggression. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And you really, I mean, this is when people, when people say, but the NHS needs more money. This is when you say, well, hang on a minute. Maybe it's that they don't spend the money they've got properly. Uh, I've got a, a tweet which I'm going to try and find um, in a moment from somebody who's actually waiting in a hospital to see his, uh, uh, his, his wife who's in there. And, you know, they're not allowed in. You're not allowed in for more than an hour. You have to wear a mask. You know, they've still got all these COVID restrictions going on. They're never going to get the backlog down in a hundred years, never mind in, in the next five years. But you think, would you not, that they would put all of their resources into that instead of this rubbish? 
Yeah, I would love to see a study, uh, somebody, maybe somebody has done that, uh, just adding up how much the NHS spends on positions that are essentially just wokery, that, that are essentially just about um, pathologizing and policing the way people interact with each other. Uh, things that you could really just settle in an informal way and rather than employing people specifically for that purpose. Um, but you can... If you look at the NHS uh, jobs website, it's full of diversity, inclusivity positions, and usually on salaries of um, above £50,000. So, yeah, I would like to see how much they actually spend on this taken together. But we have to say this isn't just the NHS. This is a broader trend um, and not even just limited to the public sector. It's happening in the private sector as well. Absolutely. And this woman who's quoted as saying that uh, being, being born in Britain is a country that legalised oppression. Uh, you can be happy to know, Christian, that you could go for an online course with her uh, in which uh, you'll be charged £1,074, including VAT. That's at the cheaper end, though. I've seen courses on uh, toxic whiteness that had uh, where the enrollment fee was much higher than that. But yeah, this is uh, it's become a way of showing off, showing your woke credentials mm. um, has become more and more competitive because when everybody is sort of woke, you have to it's, it's a form of one upmanship. You have to show uh, I'm a bit woker than the next guy. Yes. And one way to do that would be to say, well, I've spent more than a thousand pounds on this course. What have yes. you done? And here's my woke certificate. I've got it here. I can show it to you. Exactly. you know. But this is yeah. it. I mean, people now say quite regularly, certainly in parts of London, and I was just talking to Rod Little, who lives in the northeast, but not in parts of the northeast, where they say, well, what's wrong with being woke? If you're not woke, there's obviously something actually wrong with you. Because being woke is all about wanting equality and fairness and that you must be a horrible, bigoted person because you don't like it. Well, okay. In that case, uh, I'm I'm glad if woke people actually accept it as a label, as a self description, uh, because for a while we saw this tendency of saying uh, woke is a meaningless term. It's just a, a meaningless slur. It's it's something that culture warriors use to slack off anything they don't like. Whereas I would say woke has a pretty clear definition. Um, woke activism is. A wokery is the sort of worldview where you divide the population into assumed oppressor groups and assumed victim groups, and you reduce everything to that, and you place people on a hierarchy of uh, of oppression and victimhood uh, on, you could say, a points-based system almost, uh, a hierarchy where, of course, white men would be at the very top, the baddies, the the apex predators and everybody else in society is to varying degrees oppressed yes and it is absolutely and utterly ridiculous meanwhile of course i mean you've looked at all sorts of different models for the nhs and its budgeting and how it works and how it works particularly vis-a-vis other health systems in the world and it is probably i'd have to say now one of the most inefficient organizations in the entire world isn't it Yes, it is one of the largest employers in the world, and uh, we're really not getting value for money for that. Um, there was uh, a report on this the other week by the Center for Policy Studies, where they uh, again looked at health outcomes, compared Britain to a number of other developed countries, and uh, showed the NHS is usually close to the bottom of the ranking on healthcare outcomes. And that's not a new finding. This overlaps very much with uh, things that I found myself when I wrote about this subject. Uh, this is a fairly consistent finding that we get worse outcomes than most other systems, even though spending is about average. 
Yes, if not more. And that's the that's the point. And a lot of people are starting now, at least, to move away from the the view that the NHS is this sacred cow that you can't criticise, because so many people are having trouble accessing it. So many people are waiting for operations. So many people are being forced to go private because they simply can't get what they want out of, the, out of their own health service. Yes, we saw that. There was the the British Social Attitude Survey, uh, I think, last month, where um, for the first time in in ages. Uh, we saw net dissatisfaction with the NHS. More people saying I'm dissatisfied than people saying I'm satisfied. And not surprisingly, because if you uh, can barely get in touch with the NHS, then uh, why would you say everything is brilliant? But nonetheless, um, I don't think it, it's losing its sacred cow status yet, because what a lot of people do is then rationalize it. Uh, the, the same survey also asked them about the reason. Why do you think this is? What do you think the problem is? And most people still say, well, the NHS doesn't have enough money yeah. or it's being disrupted by government reforms. So they're still saying the NHS as such is brilliant. Nothing wrong with it. It's all just the, the amount of money that goes into it or the politicians meddling with it. Yes. Christian, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Dr. Christian Nemitz, the head of political economy at the IEA. There's no doubt the NHS isn't working and it's not because of a lack of money. Uh, that's the view from anyone with a bit of common sense. This is Talk TV. Edgy talk, plain talk, unrivaled talk. Mike Graham, the only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the home of common sense. This is, of course, the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, here with you all the way through until one o'clock, which will include the Queen's speech, but it won't be made by the Queen. It'll be made by Prince Charles. For the first time in 59 years, the Queen uh, has not been able to fulfil her obligation in the House of Lords at the state opening of Parliament. And we shall see what the future holds, literally, on this historic day, because this is now the future. Prince Charles is about to make his sort of maiden Queen speech. The next one he makes might well be the King's speech. Who knows? Laura Dodsworth is here with me. Uh, she's got lots to say about that. Plus, uh, she's got something to say about the climate change fanatics, something to say about Keir Starmer. I'm not going to call him Sir Keir Starmer. I think he should take his knighthood off him for being a complete and utter wally. Um, also, of course, we will be taking more of your calls. 0344 499 1000. Taking a lot of the calls again on the NHS and the state of play there. Plus, of course, uh, Harry and his new advert to save the planet. Absolutely unreal stuff. Uh, Laura, very good morning to you. Good morning. How the devil are you on I'm this really historic good. day? It is an historic day, isn't it? It is a historic it is a historic day. Now, I um, I really like and respect the Queen a lot. I am a bit of a polite Republican. Yes. But I like and respect the Queen a lot. And this gave me a kind of a sinking feeling, to be mm. honest. You know, it's sad that she's not able to deliver her sad. own speech. But um, Prince Charles is who we're getting next. Mm. <laughs> this is this, this is this sinking feeling. It is. And uh, there's been a couple of reports about Prince William mm. and Prince Harry this week. Yeah. And you think, oh, Lord. And then that's who we're getting next. Mm. Today I am calling them the Princes of Nudge. Yes. There's a quite astonishing article about Prince William in the Telegraph. Mm. So he's the president of BAFTA and he's hailed the innovative and emotive messages about saving the planet that have been embedded throughout right. British TV. There was actually an event in, 19, in 2019 that the United Nations were involved in asking British TV makers to embed planet placements throughout British TV. Planet placements. Planet 
placement. So that's where you've got um, drama, documentaries, sports program, entertainment shows. They're staying away from saying news, but um, and all of this type of programming has got sustainability mm. messages sprinkled throughout right. it. Well, you don't need to worry about places like Sky News doing it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In the news, because they've got a whole climate hour that they do now, haven't they? Where their ratings go so low as to be not measurable. (laughs) Yeah, there's climate hour. But of course, as you know, because we've talked about it on the show and I Mm. wrote about it and I complained to Ofcom about it. The government's nudge unit also collaborated with Sky on how they should change all their programming, including news to embed climate change messaging. So I just I just don't know where we've got to when we've got reports about Prince William praising TV for basically greenwashing our brains. Mm. It's like there's a royal seal of approval on propaganda. Yeah. And that's not his place, surely. It really isn't. No, his place is to be non-political. I mean, Charles has had this whole of his life, hasn't he, ever since mm. he made that remark about the carbuncle on an old friend when he was describing the National Portrait Gallery and something they were doing to it, you know, and he was hailed as this visionary figure because he wanted to, you know, make sure that, in, you know, our traditions weren't affected by modernity. Mm. And that was the beginning. But ever since then, he's, he, he continually kind of makes prognostications on all manner of things and 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 i suppose william and harry will feel that they are even more emboldened to do it well they're clearly feeling that they're clearly feeling that and that's i mean that's personally not what this polite republican wants from a royal family at all but i also think there's a very uncritical view of this whole notion of broadcasters and program makers embedding what are yes be honest very controversial political goals in the the British TV viewing makeup. Mm. Now, broadcasters and programme makers are probably giving themselves a bit of a pat on the back because the president of BAFTA, the, the Prince of Wales, has told them what a good job they're doing. Yes. And, you know, they may well feel really passionate about climate change and they may well think they're doing a really good thing ideologically. But is this really what we want from TV? No, that it is about cha- This is about subliminally changing people's minds and behaviours towards climate goals. Now, 
This isn't about presenting cold, hard facts and robust empirical data. It's not. And we, we, you know, we know that. It's about changing one's behaviour. Because there there's another story just today reported in the mail about the BBC climate editor, Justin Rowlett, who made some quite wild claims mm. in a programme called Wild Weather. And the complaints about him and the programme have been upheld. No, really? He's basically exaggerated climate change, yeah. climate change claims. So when they sprinkle these messages throughout the programmes, you cannot even assume that they're all correct. Yeah. Right, so here's what he said. He said, the death toll is rising around the world... And the forecast is that worse is to come. Now, this cannot be substantiated. Yeah, this, <laughs> this can't be substantiated at all. I mean, they can't even get the weather right, for heaven's sake. <laughs> How can they get the forecast of the climate change right? Well, the thing is, um, there may be more floods, droughts and fires. How much the climate can be implicated in that is not certain. But deaths haven't gone up, mm. they've gone down. Yeah. That's the actual fact. So um, deaths from those kind of wild weather events have gone down because of improved early warnings yeah. and disaster managements. So it's a completely false claim. He also said that Madagascar's on the brink of a famine mm. because of climate change. Well, there's actually lots of other factors involved. Yeah. So that's the BBC but this is, this is what they've making been doing. false claims And they've about got climate. their own climate editor which tells you a lot, you know, we don't have a climate editor here because we don't need one, because what we do is tell you the truth, right? I heard a guy from Insulate Britain on another channel this morning talking about how when the body, um, when the temperature outside gets to 54 degrees, your body basically explodes and people are all going to die. And it's like, well, that's fine, uh, but it's not going to be 54 degrees anytime soon. Um, and it probably never will be 54 degrees. That's a ludicrous temperature. The hottest it gets in most parts of the world, which are very hot, is somewhere in the 40s, you know. Yeah. And he's like, well, this is going to happen in the next five years. And you go, well, how do you know that? You don't know that. It's rubbish. Yeah. Well, the thing that's unfortunate about this is their goals are always just slightly out of reach. Like yeah. Prince William said, we've got 10 years to save the planet. But if you look back, every claim has been wrong so far about climate. You know, it's a bit like with, um, you know, Net zero and COVID zero, yeah. okay? Look at these two big annihilistic yes. zeros in both. Two the unachievable thing, targets. Unachievable targets. <laughs> the, the thing about COVID zero is people could see quite quickly what the impacts of lockdowns and non-pharmaceutical yeah. measures were. And, we, you know, we've caught them out. We've caught them out on their claims. We can see what madness is going on in Shanghai. The problem with the climate claims is they're always just a little bit further down the road. Yeah. It's a bit harder to disprove them. And yet they are, they are always wrong. Now, we were talking just two weeks ago about the new natural history GCSE. Mm. And the fact that children are being deliberately weaponised, weaponised in the words of Nadim Zahawi, in the fight against climate change. Yes. So imagine you've got this programme going out on the BBC telling people that deaths from wild weather events are going up and the worst is yet to come. And it's not remotely true. Yeah. It's so irresponsible to raise people's fears and use that to make them change their behaviour mm. rather than give them the cold, hard evidence which doesn't support the claims. No. It is incredible that they feel that they can do that and nobody will notice as well, isn't it? We've noticed. We've called them out on well it. Well done. Con consider, consider them officially warned. Yes, consider that to be a yellow card, for those of you who know what that is. I'd like to red card them, would you? I wouldn't mind red carding the BBC and shutting them down and yeah. let them open up the bits that people actually want and close down the bits that they don't want and it'd be a much smaller organisation. And I actually don't think there's a problem with you having a climate editor. I was about to say, if you ever get a climate editor, that's the last week I come in. I don't actually... A climate editor's a good thing. Mike's thinking, how can we get rid of Laura coming in no, with a point of climate editor? There is absolutely no way uh, <laughs> that it's a good idea. Partly the reason that they've got one there is because they can. 
because they've got so many people working there. Uh, they've got myriad numbers of people who have no jobs. So they go, all right, why don't you have a climate but climate editor? Glass, all these people you've got. There's have you ever been to the BBC? Yes, I have been to the BBC. The banks of people that have at the BBC would multiply the people behind the glass there by about ten times. But the, the climate editor isn't a problem. What's the What's the problem with the climate editor is the ideolo- ideological bias. Yes. Now that climate editor, Justine Rowlett, his sister is one of the Insulate Britain activists who oh, um, has been to court. Right. You know, this is there is something that's ideological that she maybe we could get him locked up for a year. That'll do. That'll do, wouldn't That'll it? That'll do. That'll Lock do. him up. But you could have a climate editor that actually presents unbiased facts and different sides of the story. Yeah. Because one thing that's really missing from the discussion on broadcasters' balance, uh, balance is this idea that the science is settled. It is not settled. Right. And when you're told it's settled, you, that should raise the and alarm whenever, in itself. And whenever you say, well, what about the places that are getting colder? They go, oh, well, that's climate change as well. And you go, well, hang on, you're telling us that the Earth is heating up, but there are parts of it that are not heating up, parts of it that are getting colder. And there are other parts of it uh, at the poles where there's more ice than there used to be. But we never hear that. And if you do get them on it, they say, oh, well, that's because it's, um, uh, it's dangerous now because it's, it's so unpredictable. Mm. And you go, well, it's not actually. Why don't you just tell us what's going on instead of making up stuff about what it terrible, how terrible it's going to be in 10 years. Yeah, and um, Prince Harry... Let's have a look. Shall we have a look at the video? Oh, if we must, his finest acting hour. Yes. Let's. Or not. Places they visit. Uh, yeah. Well, imagine if those Prince destinations Harry. rated you back. That's cool. Yes, it is. And we're trialling it now for the first time. So I'm here to rate you on your recent visit to Aotearoa, New Zealand in 2018. Okay. You'll be moderately happy to know that you scored three stars. Three stars? Mm-hmm. Out of what? 100. 100? No, out of five. Okay, <laughs> very funny. Uh, so, yeah, not too bad. According to my notes here, you were given 12 towels at Tim's Motor Lodge, and you only used one for the entire stay, so pretty good. I don't think I stayed there. And 12 towels, that's pretty excessive. I mean... 12 towels is excessive. Mm. Oh, you were very respectful of local communities. In fact, you even bought some local honey. Yes, I remember that. Was that nice? Uh, yes. Good. And you did not keep the tap running whilst brushing your teeth. No, I never do. Hang on a second. How did you know that? Hmm? How do you know that? That's... Dear God. Oh, God. Cringe doesn't Has even Has he been getting it. lessons in, from Megan in acting? Well, uh, he, he needs lessons. You know, you know that saying, don't give up the day job? Yes. I mean, I'd say that, but I'd actually love him to fully give up the day job. Anyway, that's him appearing in an ad for his own eco-travel firm, Travelist. It's an initiative that's just launched in New Zealand. So, first of all, it introduces this idea of a good environmental rating. Mm. And what's different is the rating is for you, the holiday maker, not for the holiday. That's why he was being rated for things like dropping towels. Mm. It's a little bit creepy, isn't it? It's a little bit social credit system. It is. He even goes, oh, how do you know about me brushing my teeth? Because, yes, it's creepy that your behaviour is going to be rated. Also, by by the way, everybody turns the tap off when they brush their teeth. You don't get a special prize for that. But the other great thing that I thought was hilarious yesterday was a story that came out about one of the guys in the video. Not not that guy, but there's another comedian uh, who was apparently suspended from his job back in uh, 2010, I think it was, as a radio host, because he was at a comedy festival where he made jokes about Jews uh, being burned and HIV patients uh, being roasted. And you're going, I mean, it's not his fault, but surely he should check out the people he works with, shouldn't he? So first Captain of all, Wokery. are you telling me they were comedians? Well, Sorry, they were supposed my, to be comedians, yeah. Joke. Listen, no, that's we'll obviously... be back with more from Laura in one second. Well, slightly more than one second, but after this. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. That's quality. Yep, quality. 
Nice. At Cinch, only quality cars make the cut. They're all carefully reconditioned, quality checked, and they all come with at least six months MOT as standard. Mm. And if you don't absolutely love your new car, you can return it for a full refund for up to 14 days for free. So with only quality cars and a money-back guarantee, you can be certain you've absolutely cinched it. Search Cinch today. Guarantee subject to terms and mileage restrictions apply. I've never been a fan of lilies. I want sunflowers and tulips at my funeral. It might cheer everyone up a bit. Oh, that sounds like a lovely idea. But we can arrange that for you. With over 150 years' experience, you can count on Co-op Funeral Care to help you pre-plan the send-off you want. To find out more, visit your local Co-op Funeral Care or go to co-op.co.uk slash personalfunerals. Co-op. It's what we do. Tonight's Euro Million jackpot could make your dreams come true, but not the dream where you're being chased by thousands of geese. No, the one where you're living it up on your own tropical island. The Euro Million jackpot keeps getting bigger. £184 million. Tonight, Euro Millions from the National Lottery. Play on app, online and in-store. Estimated jackpot, count terms, rules and procedures apply. Players must be 18 or over. Over the years, we've gone from shag pile carpets to wooden floorboards, from avocado bathroom suites to walk-in shower rooms. We've turned pokey places into open spaces and gone from wallpaper to paint and back again. Our homes have come a long way, but right now there's one thing that won't change. Your payments on your Lloyds Bank 10-year fixed-rate mortgage. Find out more in branch, online or over the phone. Lloyds Bank, by your side. A proud partner of the Platinum Jubilee pageant. Your way from driveway to motorway. Talk radio. Travel update. Lancashire, you can't leave the M6 North at 34 Lancaster, where there's resurfacing. There's a queue on the M62 leads towards Bradford, but it's because of a broken down vehicle at 28 Tingley. Road works onwards from that point at Chain Bar 26. Staying in West Yorkshire, a hold on the A1M North at York and Tadcaster at 44 queues already, and the M4 towards Swansea is shut. 41 to 42. The M5 Somerset queuing south into the roadworks at Bridgewater South Junction 24. And Sarah Elliott. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Ditch your normal rules, enjoy buffets and pools. You've totally earned this week. Get a load of the sun in a week full of fun by booking with on the beach. It's the most wonderful time. Your jollies, now even jollier with On The Beach. Book now for summer at Home Protected. Talk radio, exhalation, conversation, confrontation. It's not all bad news. It's talk radio. The home of common sense. On the app, on your smart speaker, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. I'm with Laura Dodsworth. Now, it says here that you won the People's Book Prize. I did. Oh, you been, much you haven't mentioned it. Well, my book, State of Fear. Yes, which is last... a great book, by the way. If you haven't got it, get it. Well, it just won the People's Book Prize, so, yeah. Wow. No, I'm, I was really thrilled, actually. Well it's done, because you. Because it's, um, it's a prize that's voted for by readers. Mm. So, for me, that says that says the most. It's a proper um, award, in other words. Well, it's just it's just really heartening. Honestly, writing that book was was very hard work. Mm. At times, the research was really depressing, and I really did it, um, you know, in a sense of service for people. I wanted to put out a book that was really going to lift the scales from people's eyes, raise their awareness about what was going on, and hopefully move a dial in terms of government behavioural science and propaganda and fear mongering. So the fact that people read it. They bought it and then they voted for it. it makes me very, very happy. Yes, happy and it makes it all worthwhile, here. doesn't it? 
It does, yeah. It, it really does, because it's nice to be recognised for doing something which is really good, and it is really good. Thank you. And I think you're um, you're getting to the heart of the matter of what governments are trying to do. I personally think they're not being very good at it anymore. I mean, they were very good at it mm. during the first part of COVID because I think people just really were a bit bewildered by it all. They were frightened. didn't really know. But the whole idea that clearly Keir Starmer last year did not care about the rules, didn't yeah. worry that people were going to be getting COVID if they all got together in a room and had a curry. Yeah. You know, quite a sensible decision to make. But mm-hmm. However... Unfortunately for him, it was against the rules and he I, shouldn't have done it. I, I have said the same thing every time people break the rules, from Neil Ferguson travelling across London to visit his polyamorous lover to Keir Starmer having a curry. Every single time one of these high-profile public figures has broken the rules, whether it's a politician, a scientist or a journalist... It shows you two things. Yeah. It shows you they weren't scared for their lives. They right. didn't feel like they were in peril. They had the data at their fingertips and they didn't feel like they were right. in danger. So that's the first thing. And the they idea knew that, the risks were exaggerated. Yeah. And also the idea that the, the, the sort of excuse for it or their justification for it was that, oh, our campaign teams were allowed to do it. Well, sorry, that doesn't mean that... Uh, so it means that basically if campaign teams were allowed to do it, everybody could have done it because it wasn't dangerous. Yeah, no, there's a number of things that are really annoying me about this. I don't quite know how I'm going to get them all out and remain calm. First of all, <laughs> we can it, try. You know, people have been saying in the last couple of days that those rules were absurd or that they were wrong. Well, the people who are saying that now in defensive... Sir Keir Starmer mm. were not saying it in 2020 no. when it would have counted. Yes. I don't want to hear people in the media now saying the rules were absurd. Yes, they were absurd. You were saying that. Yeah. I was saying that. They were unscientific, unevidenced. They were new. They were they're brutal. They were immoral. And of course, they were absolutely comically absurd. Yes. Why do we have to wait to defend the Labour leader to say that? This is something that should have been said right from the beginning. I think he has been a disgrace to the word opposition. He provided no meaningful opposition where it was needed. He should have been opposing the unscientific and immoral rules. And do you know what? He sent? The, he set the moral bar mm. very high for Boris Johnson. He said if Boris Johnson was guilty of breaking the rules, he should resign. Yes. Well, Sir Keir Starmer, if you live by the sword, you should die by right. the sword. Nothing would make me happier at this stage than to see him resign. Well, it's Just worse than that. Just as he asked for Boris Johnson It's worse to than that, because he said that Boris Johnson should resign simply because he was being investigated by the police. Yes, he did. Not that he, not that he should resign because he was found guilty mm. by the police. He said just the investigation alone. He's also left himself some wiggle room, as I said earlier, because if he gets uh, told by the police that he did break a rule, however, they're not going to take any further action. According to him, that doesn't mean he has to resign. So it's a kind of lily-livered offer. It's Weasley word lawyer talk. That's what it is. But this is what I mean about the moral bar he has set. He's set them in different places for himself and for for, for Boral Johnson. Uh, Boris Johnson, getting mixed up with the word moral there. You see, the problem is when people believe they occupy that moral high ground, as Keir Starmer does, they don't. They don't relate in an equitable and equal way to other people. He just thinks he's better. So Mm. he doesn't think the same rules or judgments should apply to him as do to Boris Johnson. People don't say, I've got so much integrity that I'm all about integrity. You don't say that. People will judge whether you have integrity. uh, And people, I would say, have judged that he does not. Well, you were talking about um, whether the public are persuaded in the same way anymore. There is an issue here with public optics. Look at the very tightly controlled press conference. Mm. 
they know really what the public optics are. I think the majority of people think that it is deplorable. But what a time, what a time to be alive when cake and curry can bring down our leading politicians. And it shouldn't be the cake and the curry. Well, it's the as Peter, stupid rules. Well, as Peter Hitchens has, also, has always said, you know, it should, it should be the wrecking of the economy, you know, the lockdown madness, the way that so many people have been affected badly by it, the mental health issues, you know, all of that should be the reason why we push these people out of uh, position. Not yeah. because... They spent 200 quid on an Indian takeaway. I do think there's a lot of people that need to take a good, long, hard look at themselves. And it's not just Keir Starmer, though. Everybody in the media, I mean, everybody of any kind of public standing who enjoyed their furlough in the garden mm. and talked about how you've got to follow the rules and was judgmental about other people. You know, at that time, I was almost doing rain dances, hoping that rain would snap people too. It was so obvious that what we were doing to children was criminally cruel, yeah. that we were going to tank the economy and that the rules were absurd. And there are people who should be taking a very long, hard look at themselves about why it's taken them so long to come around to saying this. Yes, it's exactly right. Um, Let's prepare for the the historic moment that we're about to witness. Prince Prince Charles, you've said that uh, you're not particularly comfortable with him uh, as the head of state, which he will inevitably become. Um, I think as long as we keep the Queen um, in her position as long as we possibly can, and certainly until the, the, the Jubilee uh, that comes in June, I think that's the, probably the right thing to do, isn't it? Absolutely. Keep her as long as possible. Then my hope was we'd have Prince Charles for as little as possible before Prince William arrived on the throne. But now it turns out he's the Prince of Nudge. I'm less keen on him too. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's always a difficult choice to have to make. Let's bring Peter Cardwell into the conversation. who's down on College Green uh, for us watching uh, the events as they unfold. Peter, I understand we're moments away uh, from the first Queen's speech in 59 years without the Queen. We are indeed. Uh, Prince Charles arrived about 12 minutes ago and the processions are happening and within about four or five minutes we're going to hear him reading the speech that his mother was to read. Sadly she can't at the moment because of what we're told are mobility issues so it is a historic occasion. He has been here in the past but not to read the speech. He'll be here as will Prince William and there's a lot of pageantry. The Lord Chancellor will hand the speech to uh, Prince Charles but at the same time uh, with all the pageantry with all the heraldry and all the uh, silly costumes and and all the rest of it there is a lot in this speech which will affect real people and will have a big effect on people's lives. It's the legislative programme of the government really for the next two years 38 bills in there, everything from levelling up to the economy to a bill uh, which would force P&O or similar companies to pay their workers properly so there's a lot of things that will change as a result of this speech so it's not just about the pomp and ceremony it's actually about what the government will do over the next couple of years absolutely peter and and laura i mean in terms of some of the things that will be in this particular queen's speech there will be a few um things for us to discuss probably next week in terms of restrictions being brought in certainly on demonstration demonstrators and i'm not against that you know they're talking about making it possible to lock people up for a year if they glue themselves to things but you're kind of not somebody that I would think normally would support that. I mean, notwithstanding that it's all about the climate change nutters. But, I mean, what's your position on that? Um, I want to look at that in more detail. I am definitely passionate about preserving mm. the right to protest. It's so important. I was on the side of the people who wanted to protest against lockdown. I'm also on the side of the climate lunatics who... Uh, but people shouldn't be gluing themselves to roads. You know, there also have to be have to be laws to uh, protect yes. infrastructure. And they brought them there's, on themselves, haven't they? There's a there's a balance to be struck. 
There is. And we do need to talk about it next week. Yes, and I'm sure we will. Laura, thank you very much. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, the home of common sense, the one place where you get the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth coming up in this hour. Simon Calder uh, is going to be joining us, our travel correspondent, our guru from the Independent, of course. British Airways have cancelled another load of flights today. They're still doing it. They're still claiming that they haven't got enough staff. They're still claiming that they can't make the flights that they promised to take you on uh, work, which seems to be an extraordinary state of affairs this time of the year, doesn't it? People who have waited until after the Easter holidays have passed and want to go between half-term and Easter, so it's not quite as expensive. There were people queuing out the doors at Birmingham Airport and Manchester Airport yesterday as well. Uh, It seems as though the travel business as a whole just isn't operating. Similar to the NHS. We'll keep taking your calls and all of that, of course, as well. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Uh, we've just had the Queen's speech. We'll have more analysis on that as well coming up a little bit later on. And also, uh, coming up in this hour, we're going to find out what the odds are on Sir Keir Starmer being replaced by yet another uh, person from either the front benches or the back benches of the Labour Party. We'll find out whether uh, there is a chance that Keir Starmer may, in fact, resign his position. But first up, let us talk to Simon Calder, uh, who is always in an exotic location for us let's find out where he is today simon very good afternoon to you oh mike i am in the extraordinarily exotic circumstances of being in the independent office um trying to keep an eye on what's happening in the world of travel last time i was talking to you outside the final um bratverse stand before america in the far southwestern tip of uh, portugal well i'd much rather be out there with me uh, with me sausage but um i'm uh, instead in the independent office and trying to keep touch as you say with uh, with what's happening in that british airways 122 cancellations today i make it of um short haul domestic and european flights including if you were in aberdeen and you were thinking Oh, I could do with being in London. Well, three of the seven round trips from Aberdeen to London have been cancelled today on British Airways. Right. And that must be having a knock-on effect to not only the, the busyness of the flight, but also some people must be missing out on moving anywhere at all. Yes. I mean, what what you will see with British Airways is generally they're giving a few weeks notice. Um, I'm hearing from a lot of people who were told, you know, that today your flight in June isn't going to be going ahead and here's your various options. Now, that's um, good to have plenty of warning. It also means that British Airways doesn't need to pay you compensation because if it gives you more than two weeks um, of warning, then all it has to do is find you an alternative flight on the same day and it does not need to pay you compensation any less than two weeks though and they most certainly do need to pay you compensation except that british airways mike says that um it doesn't i've just heard from a chap who um whose flight was cancelled at a few days notice going to lovely hanover in germany yes and so he thought well that's 220 quid you owe me then thanks very much and um british airways wrote back to him and said no your claim's been refused because it was cancelled as a result of the global pandemic caused by 20 uh, covid19 now um i've taken a bit of legal advice on this um they say oh well nothing to do with us covid 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 and um that doesn't seem at this stage um to be a valid excuse no significant travel restrictions between um, the uk and germany so um i'm at the moment investigating whether or not british airways is liable um and certainly a lot of people um, clearly many thousands a day are being finding their flights cancelled if you're in one of the probably 
the minority who are cancelled within two weeks, then my reading is that you are certainly due compensation. Furthermore, the airline is obliged to tell you that you're due compensation um, and uh, then you just apply online. But it sounds as though they're, 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 they're not agreeing with that. So I will try and get it cleared up. I'm sorry I haven't by the time uh, you and I are speaking. Yes, indeed. But I mean, there's also some very odd things going on as well in the airline business. EasyJet mm-hmm. yesterday announcing they were going to remove some seats from some of their planes because they haven't got enough staff to cater for all the people. I mean, you know, nothing against EasyJet here, but I don't remember having such attentive service when I was last on an EasyJet flight uh, that, uh, that somehow now they can't manage to keep that up. Well, look, um, here's what's happening. And what EasyJet is doing is actually a perfectly rational thing. Um, effectively, if you rip out row 26 on your Airbus A319s, then the capacity of the flight goes from 156 to 150. Yeah. And since the aviation authorities say, right, for every 50 people, you've got to have one more cabin crew. And if there's, yeah, get to 151, that's um, that that's going to mean another one. And by the way, it's the number of seats, not the number of actual physical people on board. So they are effectively doing this so they can spread their cabin crew more thinly. Mm. And in if you're trying to EasyJet's on about 30 cancellations a day at the moment, so a lot better than BAs. But if you're trying to run as many flights as possible, then um, uh, decreasing the number of people that you need to deploy to fly um, is is a, a reasonable way around it. Um, slightly diminishes choice. They're not unfortunately going to give everybody else on that plane an extra inch of legroom, which technically they could do. Um, but uh, it's you know, still better than than people finding um, entire flights cancelled yes. because they are. But I'm just still group. I'm just still staggered, Simon, as I will say to you, how uh, unprepared these airlines seem to have been for the return right. to sort of normality. Because how much longer are we supposed to put up with their complete and utter inefficiency and inability uh, to react to, to traffic. Right. OK, let me take you back five months. All right. Only five months. And the UK had just imposed the most dramatic, dr- draconian, the most complex, the most expensive travel restrictions of any country in Europe. You had to have a pre-departure test before you came back into the UK. On arrival, you had to pay a, for a PCR test and go and self-isolate, even if you've been fully vaccinated and boosted. They were really tough rules. By March, we got rid of the lot. So guess what? Everybody suddenly thought, oh, I need a holiday. Thanks very much. I will do this. Now, unfortunately, as we've seen scenes from uh, Birmingham, which Talk TV have been reporting on, Birmingham Airport and elsewhere, as soon as you walk through the door to the airport, the prospects of um, encountering staff shortage begin. I mean, for aviation to function, Mike, you need a whole lot of people, Mm. um, highly skilled, security cleared, um, in working in a high stress environment where they're working really uh, antisocial hours and they've got to do that day in, day out. Of course, when the government imposed restrictions, which crushed effectively the UK's aviation industry, um, when they came in, airlines um, let loads and loads of really good staff go. Um, It's always good, of course, to bring in new blood. But unfortunately, you don't just flick a switch and you can go back to normal, which is why everything from people on check-in to baggage handling to security um, to, well, we're hearing today TUI, biggest tour operator in, in the UK, is saying, oh, you're flying short haul with us. 
do you mind bringing your own sandwiches because uh, we're having problems with our catering supplies? That's ridiculous. It's totally well, ridiculous. I mean, the reason for all this happening is indolence, people working from home, and complete and utter uselessness of management, right? Because I have had conversations with people on this very uh, station, this very TV uh, uh, glory land, who have told me that they've had security clearance to work at Heathrow uh, as, um, as security people, um, from January, but they're still awaiting being given an actual uh, rotor as to when they can start. So, you know, it's the usual thing where there's a sort of bureaucratic red tape hold-up of something, a bit like the DVLA, a bit like the Home Office, a bit like every other bleeding part of this country, where nobody's doing any bloody work. Well, look, you, you occasionally show up and do a bit of work, I pretend to, uh, but no, let me, let me address specifically that Heathrow thing. Actually, this ties in with the 120 British Airways cancellations. Anybody who's been through Heathrow going in to uh, the airport in order to fly out of it, um, I, I've, never, I've not heard of any um, great long queues. I normally get through in five minutes or so, but that's because British Airways is taking about 15,000 passengers a day out of the system by cancelling all these flights. So it's entirely possible that um, the reason they've got security clearance but they haven't yet started is because Heathrow's saying, I'll tell you what, we'll be able to use you in July when we, sorry, forgive me, uh, June, when we open Terminal 4, but we don't actually need you until then. Of course, the other part of the equation is coming back into the UK and the UK border force and whether or not it is properly resourced and whether those flipping e-gates are going to be working or not. Because if they're not, then you know that you're going to be stuck in the queue for the best part of an hour. Yes, and that seems to be the case and has been the case for ever since they put the e-gates in. You know, so now they're blaming lack of, uh, lack of resources and not enough people. But before they blamed, you know, the IT. And before that, they blamed something else. You know, they just don't know what they're doing, it seems to me. Well, look, uh, please, 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 everybody, be nice to the frontline staff. They are having a tough old time. Um, they've had a particularly tough old time for the last two years. They're doing their best to get you through, get you to your destination. And a bit of kindness and respect is always in order, whether you're at the airport or indeed on talk TV, I think. Well, I think that's right. But I mean, also, as a, as a paying customer, you're also entitled to the respect of somebody giving you what they said they would give you when <laughs> they said they would give it to you, which you paid rather a lot of money for. I mean, if you're yep. turning up at an airport with children in tow, um, wives, mother-in-laws and all the rest of it... And you get told, sorry, mate, uh, we've had to cancel. We've had to pull the flight. But don't worry, you can go and queue over there for four hours. You might get another one uh, tomorrow. I mean, that's not going to encourage people to be treating anyone with respect, I'm afraid. No, absolutely not. You're always going to get the occasional on-the-day cancellation, but these are cancellations which are kind of systemic. They've got to fillet their schedules in order to be able to run a, a kind of coherent system without late-notice cancellations. So what British Airways is effectively saying is, yeah, we, 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 we're absolutely stretched and therefore we've got to cancel lots of flights every day and give people a fair bit of warning because um, we'd much rather do that than, than have to cancel things on the day and leave people in exactly the situation, Mike, you described. Yes. Are you saying then if people have got a flight booked and two weeks beforehand, uh, so far it's still on, there's a pretty good chance that it will actually fly then? Yeah, no, absolute guarantee. And you're, so, so the... Airlines which are cancelling flights in, in bulk uh, are British Airways, and to a lesser extent, EasyJet, they're on about 30 cancellations a day. Um, but if you're flying Wizz Air, if you're flying Jet2, Ryanair, generally they are running 
pretty much every single one of their flights there will be the occasional on the day cancellation but that's just kind of business as usual for aviation so if i had a trip where i absolutely needed to make the flight i would probably book on one of those three airlines ryanair uh, jet to whiz air because i think there was a pretty good chance that that will be going ahead okay good advice simon as ever thank you very much indeed simon call a travel correspondent with the independent travel guru uh, in many ways if you're having problems at airports do tell us do let us know i mean why does nothing work that's my question. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.